Our scripture today is from the book of John, chapter 1, verses 1 through 14. If you care to follow along in your pew Bible, you can find it on page 86 of the New Testament. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things came into being through him, and without him, not one thing came into being. What has come into being in him was life, and the life was the light of all people. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not overcome it. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to testify to the light so that all might believe through him. He himself was not the light, but he came to testify to the light, the true light, which enlightens everyone, was coming into the world. He was in the world, and the world came into being through him, yet the world did not know him. He came to what was his own, and his own people did not accept him. But to all who received him, who believed in his name, he gave power to become children of God, who were born not of blood or of the will of the flesh or of the will of man, but of God. And the word became flesh and lived among us, and we have seen his glory, the glory as of a father's only son, full of grace and truth. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thank you, Penny, and thank you, Megan. What is it that you want for Christmas this year? I took a big risk, and I bought something for my best friend that she is either going to love or hate. Have you ever done this? We've been friends for 27 years, and over Thanksgiving, I was shopping down in Wichita, Kansas with my mother, and I was at REI, my favorite store in the whole world, and I found something that is, well, it's interesting. Let me show you a picture. Maybe. Nope, there it is. There it is. The colors can't, don't quite show as brightly there as they do on the actual shoes. This is part of the, hey, let's dress like it's the 80s trend in fashion, right? So I stood there in the store for a long time looking at these and trying to imagine, I was deliberating, trying to imagine if we were there shopping together, would we be making fun of those shoes or would she be taking them to the salesperson to ask for her size so she could try them on? And I just, I could not decide which it would be. So I bought them. <laughs> And I wrapped them up and I put a gift receipt in and I sent them off to Oregon and she received them over a week ago and you guys, she is waiting to open them. <laughs> she is waiting until tomorrow to open them, which means I cannot find out and you cannot find out yet if she thinks they're wonderful or hideous. Okay, we're just going to have to wait to find out. I'm dying to know. It's the biggest risk that I took in gift giving this year. The, the good thing about being friends for 27 years is it doesn't matter how it turns up, whether it's a laugh or a win, it's going to be good either way. But what about you? What do you want for Christmas this year? Do you have an actual written Christmas list? Do you just drop hints? Do you have an Amazon wish list that you leave out for people to see? 
I usually end up texting my mother sometime in October a few ideas for me and something she can she and my parents can buy for my spouse and it works really well I get something that I really want and she doesn't have to guess now don't worry my mother does the same for me in return so it all equals out you may think that kind of transaction lacks any Christmas magic but I'm telling you it's a good deal and it means you don't have to go back to the store to return things afterward one of my friends took this to the next level this year in terms of making sure that she got great gifts for Christmas. She made a post on Facebook about this. Now, her name is also Amy. Let's see that post of Amy. It says, me, Amy, stop buying yourself presents. Me, no. <laughs> now, I'm not sure if Amy also wraps them up for herself or, and puts them under the tree or not. If she does, I say more power to her. Some of you have done that in this room, haven't you? I know. You might think that her approach is totally lacking in Christmas magic, but, you know, I heard a story on NPR in the last week that said the overwhelming majority of people would rather receive gifts that they have picked out for themselves. They would rather have that than be surprised by family or friends who come up with their own ideas. The problem is we like to give surprises. And so the majority of people in that same survey said they would rather give gifts that the giver doesn't know about. See, we like this idea that we can surprise our family and friends without any hints or any help, but experience has shown us when we receive gifts, people aren't that good at guessing. <laughs> so more often than not, what seems to be the perfect gift to the giver, to us, the receiver, is not exactly what we would have picked, and it's, it's awkward. But what is it that you want for Christmas this year? An author named Brennan Manning once posed an interesting question. He wrote, I wonder if we were to go out and stop people at random on the street on December 24th and ask them, what do you most want for Christmas? I wonder how many would say, I want to see Jesus. I want to see Jesus. What do you think? How many people would say that? Not many. Maybe not any. But I bet if we could go out and stop people on the street at random today, or we could take an anonymous poll here in the sanctuary and ask one another, what is it that you really want? No, what do you really want? That we would get some important answers. I mean, forget goofy slippers or new electronics or some fancy kitchen gadget. In your heart of hearts, what is it that you want this Christmas? I suspect some of us here really want some connection. We're tired of feeling alone. Now, of course, it's not as bad right now, the loneliness. It's not nearly as bad as it was in the spring of 2020, but this pandemic, it continues to disrupt life and connections and travel. It's keeping families apart, keeping friends from seeing one another. We, United Methodist Pastors in Kansas and Nebraska, we were gonna have this big clergy gathering in January, the first gathering like it in two years. I had my hotel reservations, and then just on Tuesday, it was changed to a Zoom meeting because of the threat of the Omicron variant. Now, it's not the end of the world. It's not even close to the end of the world. But to learn that once again, I'm not gonna get to see and hang out with my colleagues and my friends, it, it's a real loss. I, I actually miss them. 
I miss the support and encouragement of being together. I miss the conversations we have and the ideas we get for them from each other. I miss the laughter that we share. There's this continuing toll and mounting loss for us when we're not connected to each other in big and small ways. And I just think it would be really nice for Christmas to get the gift of connection. I suspect some of us here would really like the gift of assurance this Christmas. I mean, we're tired, aren't we, of second-guessing so many decisions, our own decisions, the decisions of others. We're tired of stories in the news about how to stay safe during the holidays, tired of having plans change at the last minute. There's people that are having their flights canceled all over the place today, I heard. Tired of being unable to count on things for the future. It would be really nice this Christmas to get the gift of assurance. I suspect some of us really would like the gift of love this Christmas. There are hundreds of thousands of families, of course, in this country who are longing for the love of someone particular who died from COVID and, and millions more who have had family die or grow old or frail or sick, and they're going to have an empty seat at the table for the first time this year. Pastor Rebecca gave witness to that already today. This grief that we're carrying day to day, it's, it's like this low-grade fever that makes everything around us harder. It would be really nice to trade in that grief for the gift of love this Christmas. And I suspect that some of us really, in our heart of hearts, we would really like the gift of peace this Christmas. Maybe you, like me, are just tired of hearing the noise of conflict our national leaders are regularly trying our patience, and they give us more to be mad about than proud of. I mean, we are still in a hot mess around racial justice in this country, and we don't have a clue how to talk about it with each other. There are young queer people around the country who've recently come out to their families, and it's caused such heartache, they don't know if it's okay to go home for Christmas. Over and over, these conflicts, the sense of anxiety and separation, it's so high, even casual conversation has the potential to turn sideways on us right now without warning. It would be really, really good to trade in this perpetual sense of conflict for some peace this Christmas. Here is the good news today. We can have all of those things, connection, assurance, love, peace. This, this is a big promise that I'm making to you today, but it's one that I believe deep, deep down, down to my toes. It is a big promise that I'm sharing today to say that we can have all of those things that we want, most want for Christmas. It's a big promise, but it is the promise of the Bible, which tells us that God has given us all those things and more in this gift of Jesus Christ. Now, we heard this promise today from the Gospel of John. You maybe know that often on Christmas Eve, we read from the Gospel of Luke, which is an awesome story. And if you haven't read Luke 2 yet this December, I want to say, please go home and do it. If you uh, do it before you go to bed tonight, read Luke 2. And if you don't know where to find a Bible in your house, just Google it. You know, the word of God comes through just fine on a smartphone. It's no problem. Just seriously, Google Luke 2 and it'll take you right there, okay? So normally Luke 2, but today instead we're reading from the Gospel of John. And John has a very different Christmas story. Like the other Gospels, he wants to tell us how it is that Jesus came to be with us on earth. But he's got no angels, no shepherds, no trip to Bethlehem. He doesn't tell us about the Magi or a star in the sky. He doesn't even mention the names of Mary and Joseph. 
This gospel writer doesn't tell a birth story at all. Instead, he starts further back than that, like way back, like way, way back to the beginning of time. The gospel of John, it starts just like the book of Genesis does. In the beginning, in the beginning, he says. And what he tells us is in the beginning was the word, the word. In Greek, it's the logos, which is a complicated word, but it means like the logic, the wisdom, the reasoning, the animating force. He's saying in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. He was in the beginning with God and all things came into being through him and not without him, not one thing came into being. So this isn't a story with characters, it's theology, deep and mysterious truth he's trying to tell us, that Jesus was with God at creation. He's saying Jesus is a force. Jesus is a power. Jesus is a holiness, a wisdom, a divine spark that has always been and will always be. And without him, not one thing came into being. And what has come into being in him was life, life. All life, every living thing owns its life to this divine mystery, this logos, this word, this force, this power, this spark. This life, the writer says, was the light of all people, all people. That means you and me and that person sitting next to you and the person you're going to pass randomly on the street and the people that surrounded the manger and all the people yet to be born, the light of all people. That's what this power, this force, this life, this spark, this word, this fire, this light. And then John says this, this most amazing sentence. He says, the light shines in the darkness and the darkness has not overcome it. The darkness does not overcome it. This is a theological claim of the biggest kind, the light of life, the light that comes from this word, this wisdom, this power, this holy force, this divine spark, this light that's in all people, this life that's given to us, it shines in the darkness and the light cannot be stopped. The darkness cannot stop it, the darkness cannot overcome it, the darkness cannot win, cannot win. And then John tells us this word, this logos, this force, this power, this spark, this life, it became flesh. It became a person. It lived among us and it brought us glory, glory of God's own, full of grace and truth. This is Jesus, this word, this force, this power, this divine wisdom. He is that in full. He is glory in a person, and he came to be with us, to save us, to restore us, to make us new, to make our lights shine with unending light. Jesus himself was the light. His incarnation being born in human, it is the mystery of Christmas. Later on in the gospel, Jesus talks about them, this himself. He says, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. And then later he says, I have come as light into the world so that everyone who believes in me should not remain in darkness. Jesus, the light of the world, the light of life has come. And it's a promise to us that darkness will never win. That's the message of Christmas. So what do we do about that? On this Christmas Eve, hearing again this amazing, this life-changing truth, what do we do? Well, we celebrate the light. 
We celebrate the light in all the ways that we can. We embrace this light and this life that God has given us. We look for the light even in our darkest moments. We keep our eyes open for the light, for that life, that power, that force, that spark of Jesus, and we focus on that, we fixate on that, we hold more tightly to that than anything else in the world, and we trust that it is going to bring us the connection, the assurance, the love, the peace, whatever else we most need this Christmas. And when we've got that light, that life in our grasp, we reach out to share that light with other people. This is the amazing thing about the light, the life, the power, the force, the love of Jesus. When we share it, it just multiplies. We give it away to other people and then we have more of it. It just grows and it grows. I want to tell you this story that I found in the Washington Post this week from December 21st. The article says, it started last November with a single string of Christmas lights on a Baltimore County street. Kim Morton was home watching a movie with her daughter when she received a text from her neighbor who lives directly across the road, and he told her to peek outside. Matt Riggs had hung a string of white Christmas lights stretching from his home across the street to hers, and he also left a tin of homemade cookies on her doorstep. The lights, he told her, were meant to reinforce that they were always connected despite their pandemic isolation. See, he knew his neighbor was facing a dark time, Morton had shared she was dealing with depression and anxiety. She was grieving the loss of a loved one. She was struggling with work-related stress. Sound familiar? All this mounting pressure was leading to panic attacks. So he decided for a little bit of brightness. What he didn't expect was that his one strand of Christmas lights across the street would somehow spark a neighborhood-wide movement. A neighbor on the other end of the block saw what Riggs had done and she wanted in. She said, I said to my neighbor, let's do it. And before we knew it, we were cleaning out Home Depot of all the lights. And quickly other neighbors caught on. Little by little, the whole neighborhood started doing it, said Morton. The lights were a physical sign of connection and love. She and Riggs were stunned to see neighbors with drills and ladders up on their rooftops and tangled in trees, doing whatever they had to do to hang the lights between houses. They were mostly masked and at a distance, but for the first time in a long time, a feeling of togetherness and light had returned. Seeing his neighbors adopt the idea genuinely brought tears to my eyes, Riggs said. From such a humble beginning, a tiny little act, this became an event. I brought a picture from the article to show you. Now it started on a street called Dunkirk Road, but other streets in the area were soon lined up with lights too, and each block had its own character. The collective display resonated so deeply that the neighborhood agreed to do it again this year and every year, pandemic or otherwise, this year they said they made a party out of putting up the lights. And to emphasize their commitment to this project, to emphasize how much they wanted to be connected, they actually this year they drilled anchors into the brick walls of their homes and they attached the light strands on metal cables to make them more secure. The impromptu effort has had perhaps the most profound impact on the person for whom it was originally intended. She said, it made me look up, literally and figuratively, above all the things that were dragging me down. It was light pushing back the darkness. Lights strung between houses across the street. So simple, but powerful and profound. 
we too can share the light and remember this gift of life that we've been given in Jesus. We can share the light and know that it is the very best gift of all. Thanks be to God. Amen.